So we're in a series called Love Is, and uh, if you've been tracking with us since the beginning of last month, all of last month we've been looking at like the compassion of Jesus. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there is no emotion attributed to Jesus more in the Gospels than, emo- than compassion. Jesus was the most compassionate person to ever walk the earth. And uh, we've been putting out these kind of like three, like these one, two, three steps of love that you see repeated over and over and over in the stories of Jesus. And you see, whenever Jesus is interacting with people, he always like sees them. And this isn't just like seeing them with his eyes, like he like actually slows down He sees people in their brokenness. He's moved to compassion, and out of his compassion is when he moves to love people. And if you've been tracking with us, you've probably been asking the question, and you've actually probably experienced this in your own relationships as you've been trying to love people, where it's just like, at what point, like, is compassion not enough? Right? Like, I've heard that, I've, I, like, this question has, like, rang in my head all the time. Like, am I just supposed to, like, let people walk all over me? Like, at what point does, like, truth come into the picture? Like, at what point can I just, like, say what I need to say? And one of the things that we're going to kind of, like, turn to in the next couple weeks with my message tonight and Shannon's next week is that you'll see it. Jesus is just, commi- just as committed to truth as he is people. Jesus is just as committed to truth as he is people. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14. And so let me kind of like set up the the backdrop of this story. Uh, Jesus most likely just got done teaching at a synagogue. And uh, one of the practices of the Jewish day is like after the synagogue, after the synagogue teaching, on the Sabbath, Um, normally the teacher who's taught that day would be invited over to the Pharisee's house who ran that local synagogue, and they would have a Sabbath lunch. And um, the Pharisees and Jesus didn't quite get along very well. You can just read a couple pages in the Gospels to see that. And um, look what happens in chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, so it wasn't just like a Pharisee, it was like, a prominent Pharisee. Most likely, he was probably like 50, 60 years old, so a good 20, 30 years older than Jesus. He was being carefully watched, that is Jesus. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Now, most commentators think because the Pharisees had such a problem with Jesus healing people that they put this person who had this disease and this burden, purposely placed him at this lunch to see if Jesus would heal him. Verse 3, Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. They would not answer Jesus. So taking hold of the man, Jesus healed him, as he always does, and sent him on his way. And then he looks at them and he goes, listen, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. So Jesus literally appeals to their emotion. He's like, you've made up man-made rules about the Sabbath. Like, Sabbath is for man. It's to be a place of healing and worship and love. And the Pharisees, in order to not break the Sabbath, they put a bunch of rules up on it to make sure they were obeying the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, listen, like, I'm here to love. Like, if that was your child, would you not heal your child? Would you not help your child? So just when you think the scene is tense, Jesus just keeps going. Look at verse 7. 
when he noticed, I love how present Jesus is to the situation, how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you didn't catch what Jesus just did, he just told all the guests at the party that they picked the wrong seats. But he's not done. Verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, now think about this. This is a prominent Pharisee. He's probably 20 years older than Jesus. So he just healed a man, created tension in the whole place. He looks at all the guests and goes, hey, by the way, you all are arrogant and prideful. You picked the positions of power at this table. I see what you're doing. Then he turns to the host and he says, when you give a luncheon, like the one he's giving right now, or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So he just dealt with the guests, and then he turns to the host and pretty much says, you invited all the wrong people to this luncheon. There is, this, I thought this was hilarious, I saw this fact. There's not one a moment in the Gospels where you ever see a Pharisee invite Jesus back to a dinner, and you wonder why. And I don't have time to go on to it, but I would encourage you after tonight. Then, like, some guy, like, tries to, like, salvage the whole party afterwards, and then in verse 15, he says, when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus pretty much tells this whole parable to say, yeah, and unless you change your ways and your thinking, you won't be there. So you get this whole scene and like, so like, think about this, like just when you want to put Jesus in a box, like he's just like, he's soft, he's kind and he's compassionate. And then you read a story, you're like, a story like this, you're like, we're saying love is, and Jesus is the most vivid picture of love. Like how in the world is this loving? And so this is what we're going to try to unpack tonight. Like why, why does Jesus do what he does? What does he what does he reveal in us? What is he trying to teach us in our relationships? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this passage from two different angles. One, we're going to look at, we're going to get like inside the story and we're going to see what Jesus' honesty reveals inside of us, like inside of me and inside of each one of you. Then we're going to kind of step outside the story on the second half and we're going to look at Jesus and be like, what does Jesus' honesty reveal to us and then what does Jesus' honesty mean for our relationships? So let's just start with what does Jesus' honesty reveal in us? One of the things uh, that I've experienced when I read stories like this is uh, I actually think they're kind of funny. Like, Jesus is pretty impressive. I'm like, this is, like, really hilarious. And the reason I, 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 I respond that way is because so often when, and tell me if this isn't true, when we read stories like this, we assume that we're standing next to Jesus, agreeing with him, forgetting that we're either two people in this story. We're either the host or we're either the guest. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose to you tonight that in some ways we're both of them. It's kind of like when you, you ever been at church and you're listening to the pastor talk and he's like talking about pride or something like that and you're like, man, if my friend were here, 
he'd really get a good lesson out of this. We do the same thing when we read the Bible, and so we're going to start with what Jesus' honesty reveals in us. And the first thing that Jesus' honesty reveals inside of us is that Jesus reveals our pride so that we can become humble. humble. Look again at verse 7. Jesus says, When he noticed the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them the parable, and we won't read the parable again. So this is what's happening. Jesus, he's, 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 he gets into the scene. I'll just put yourself in the story, and he's noticing the, the dynamics of the room. Like, I love, like, Jesus. Like, he's so observant, and he's like, ah, I know what's going on here. And he, he looks at all the guests, and he goes, listen, you guys, you're all picking the places of honor to outdo one another in self-promotion. And um, if you don't know the kind of the culture of this time, how, how tables were set up, so there was like a U, and I tried to find a graphic, but I couldn't. There was a U to the table, and then the host would be at the very center of the table, and then the places of honor were on like the outside of the host working the way down. So if you were, in a, if you were closest to the host in an honor-shame culture, which at this time it was, you would receive a lot of honor. But if you were on the end of the table, you would actually receive shame in a dynamic like that. And Jesus looks at the scene and he goes, listen, you guys, you're just trying to outdo one another. You're trying to promote yourselves above one another. And what Jesus is challenging the guests, he's saying, you're more concerned about your private godliness than your public, no, excuse me, I got that backwards. You're more concerned about your public reputation than your private godliness. Does that sound familiar? See, this happens a lot in our culture. I like to think of, have you guys, uh, with the election coming up, have you guys been seeing the commercials that are coming out? Where it's just like, Joe Biden is the worst man to ever walk the earth. <laughs> Paid for by Donald Trump. And then they just do it back and forth to one another. Like, you just see it, like, all over culture. It's like, I try to, like, honor myself at the expense of somebody else. We see it happen at work. You guys, maybe in your own experience, you see people trying to, like, cut angles at work or like obviously show the boss that you're better than your coworker so you can get the next promotion. We see it happen on social media when Instagram is kind of used as like a platform to like promote your own life. It's kind of like this highlight reel of all the best moments of your life. We see it happen in friend groups where we fight to be the closest to like the cool person in the group and we just like, we're all fighting to be recognized. And what Jesus is really challenging every single one of us what he's really challenging us to ask is, in your life, where are you trying to promote yourself above others? Like in your life, think about your life, your work, your personal life, your social media accounts, your school, your family, all of it. Where in your life are you trying to promote yourself above others? And you don't even have to be a believer, a follower of Jesus to know this experience. When you seek the highest position in the highest place, in the place of recognition, don't you experience a ton of anxiety in your soul? Like, you're just, like whenever you, like, you have to be the best or whenever you have to be recognized, have you noticed like, the unrest that happens in your heart and in your soul? It's because when you live outside the ways of Jesus, there's a disruption in your own heart. See, we, in the areas of our life, like the guests in this story that it looks so obvious on the pages of Scripture, but we all have areas in our lives where we're fighting to promote ourselves over one another. And we need to hear the words of Jesus in verse 11. And Jesus says this, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Like, if you fight for the highest position, you will be humbled. But those who humble themselves 
those who fight for the lowest position, they will be exalted. See, we fight so hard to be recognized. Like, just think about it. Like, we fight so hard to be recognized. And Jesus is challenging us, fight just as hard for humility. Fight just as hard for smallness. Fight just as hard to, like, be unrecognized. And this is how you do it. You never push yourself into a more prominent position in your life, but you let the Lord pull you into the place he wants you to serve. Now think about that. There's always positions or places, and we all have it, just think about it. Like if I just had this, if I just had this position at work, if I just had this spot in this friend group, then I would be okay. What Jesus is teaching us here, he's saying, listen, let God be the person who chooses when and how to honor you. And you know this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know this, how much sweeter is the honor God gives you compared to the honor of people? It's so much sweeter and it's so much more fulfilling. And this is why we do this, because we've been saying this whole time, we're trying to be imitators of Jesus. When we seek to take the lowest place, we imitate Jesus who took the lowest position, who literally, like, willingly humiliated himself on the cross. And then what happened? God raised him, to the de- raised him from the dead, placed him at his right hand, and gave him what? The name that is above all names. When we, when we seek the lowest position, we imitate Jesus, who was humiliated before he was exalted to the right hand of God. So Jesus, in love, reveals our pride so that we would become humble. The second thing that Jesus reveals is our selfishness so that we would become self-giving. So look again what Jesus says to the host. Verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, imagine if you're the host in this moment, how awkward that would be. When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. See, Jesus observes, and he, and he sees what the host is doing, and he's seeing something that's just a complete social norm in that day, and I would say also in ours. See, Jesus observes the host's motives, that he's only friends with people who will benefit him. And he assumes that he's loving because he's loving to the people who also love him. So Jesus, this essentially, Jesus, this is the summary teaching that Jesus is challenging the host in, in his gift of honesty. He's saying, don't think you are loving just because you are kind to people. Now think about our culture for a second. They just assume love means being kind and allowing people to do what they want to do. Jesus is saying, don't think you are loving just because you are kind to people. It actually might be a secret way of getting something for yourself. The real test of love, according to Jesus, not according to our culture, is giving to people who cannot repay you in any way. The real test of love to Jesus is giving to people who cannot repay you in any way. See, we have this own experience in our own lives, and honestly, guys, as I reflect on my own life, I'm extremely convicted, and I see this all the time in young adults, is that we really only enter and invite people into our lives who benefit us. And it may not mean like we want their money or their, we want their like kind of network of people they could get us into for a job. It might be those things. 
But think about this. Why do you choose the friends that you have? And I'm not even necessarily like saying that as a whole this is a bad thing. But we choose friends and we hang out with people who make us feel comfortable, who make us feel important, and who make us feel filled. Feel filled. I messed that up last, yesterday. I'm, like, I, I'm sorry, Shannon. I tried. <laughs> but in our relationships, think about it. Like, like when you hang out with people on your Friday night, like what do you do on a Friday night? You want to hang out with the people who in some way benefit you. And Jesus is turning the whole social norms of his day and ours completely upside down. He's saying, listen, like he told the host, he's like, you just invite all your friends. And Jesus is not against friends. He's not against family. He himself did it. But he's saying, listen, if you really want to love people, your primary concern is outsiders. Like if you really want to love people and follow Jesus the way Jesus said following him looked, it's loving people who are outsiders. <clears throat> so let's ask some, a couple of questions of our, of our lives. One, when was the last time you did something for someone who wasn't in any position to do something for you? Like just think very personally. In your own life, in the last week, when was the last time you loved somebody or you did something for somebody who was not in any position to love you in return? or to do something back for you. Like they actually drained you. It was actually like, it, it, it was like, it was unfilling. Like you felt like you were spent after spending time with them. Or maybe I'll ask it a, def- a different way. To be very specific to what Jesus said. Do the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind have any place in your life? See, we read a story like this, and we just go like, oh yeah, Jesus is just kind of saying that we should love people who aren't like us. But he was very specific. The poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind exist today. Just, they exist just as much today as they did then. And Jesus is saying, do those type of people have any place in your life? Or is your version of Christianity just like a good group of Christian friends? Jesus is really challenging us. Jesus is saying, listen, when you go to your work event, and when you go to school, and when you seek out the most like the least enjoyable person at your work, when you seek out the isolated person at your small group and at 710, like when you come in this room, you find your friends, you immediately talk with them, but there's all sorts of people who come in here and feel alone. Jesus is saying when you go and seek out that person, when in your apartments, your neighborhoods, your dorm rooms, when you seek out the outcasts, he's saying, listen, God notices every single person you go after. God notices every single person you go after. Because this is what he says in verse 13, 14. When you give a banquet, and when you invite the poor, the lame, the blind, you will be blessed. And he says, although they cannot repay you, they won't do anything, they, they can't repay you, but you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And I don't know about you guys, but if there's one thing at the end of the day, at the end of my life, I want to be rewarded by Jesus and nobody else. Like, I want the smiling face of Jesus. I want to be rewarded by Jesus more than anybody else. And this is why we do this. Because we seek the outcasts. Because here's the reality, guys. We are the spiritually poor. We are the spiritually crippled. We are the spiritually lame. We are the spiritually blind. And when we were in that condition... Christ came and loved us. So how could we not live a lifestyle reflecting the same love, right? 
See, Jesus reveals, his honesty reveals selfishness in our hearts so that we can become self-giving. It reveals our pride so that we can become humble. Now let's transition a little bit. So we just looked at the story and we, we looked from within and like what is Jesus kind of doing within the story? Now let's kind of like objectively look on the outside and just look at Jesus very specific. What Jesus' honesty reveals to us is that love, listen, love is compassionate and honest. Love is compassionate and honest. What Jesus is showing us in the story that it is unloving to not be honest. See, Jesus loves people, I, I love this so much, Jesus loves people enough to tell them what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. Jesus loves people enough to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And here's why, and I, guys, I want you to have this kind of lens when you read stories like this. Jesus isn't just being a jerk. Like, he's not just being a jerk, he's not like, oh, you guys tried to trap me, so I'm gonna expose all of you and embarrass you. What Jesus is doing here is whenever Jesus is honest with somebody, it's because his deepest desire is for that person to have healing. And when you're blind to your own sin and nobody's willing to say something to you, you're not aware of it. So Jesus' exposure, and to put it in these words, undressing everybody in the room, spiritually speaking, it's, he's actually trying to extend healing to their, to their hearts. And this is what I also love about Jesus. Jesus was free to love people in this way because he was free from people's opinions. Now think about this in your own life. When you know you should say something to somebody because you see sin in their life and you know something's wrong, why don't you? It's because you're scared to risk the relationship. You're scared to risk your own reputation. Like if I, if I say something to this person, they may go and gossip about me. But Jesus was so secure in his love and his like, belovedness by his Father that it completely freed him up to give the gift of honesty to people. Look at John 5. It'll be on the screen. You don't need to turn there. But Jesus is talking to the Pharisees again. He had a lot of dialogue with them. And he says this, I do not accept glory from human beings. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. And then he says, how can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Now Jesus, he knows the human condition. He reveals this. He goes, we, if we're going to be honest in our heart of hearts, we really crave human approval. And it may not be from every single person, but we crave human approval from the people that we want approval from. Jesus, there was no person, not a 50-year-old Pharisee, 56-year-old Pharisee. didn't matter who came in Jesus' path. He was so secure because he knew God was watching him, he knew God was enjoying him, and he knew God was loving him, which freed him to give the gift of honesty to somebody else. He was willing to risk his own reputation for the sake of truth. So what does this mean for our lives? And this means two things for our lives today. One, we need to be honest about the injustices and brokenness in the world. Like at a macro level, at a big level, Jesus, what he shows us in his life, and you have to read throughout the whole gospel stories to see this, is he constantly confronted the injustices in his world. And what, as imitators of Jesus, he never asks us to do something that he hasn't already done. And when we look at Jesus' life, he goes, he points out the, the brokenness and the injustices in his world, and he asks us to do, that same, to do the same thing. So when we look at our current culture today, and we see racism, 
we see abortion, we see sex trafficking, when we see the treatment of immigrants, Jesus is challenging us to be truthful about those things. And, and it doesn't matter like what political party you're attached to. If you're a follower of Jesus, we need to imitate Jesus by being vocal about the brokenness and the injustices we see in our world. The second thing that Jesus teaches us, his honesty teaches us, is this, that we need to be honest in our relationships. Now, this is going to get really practical right now. In Matthew 18, 15, Jesus says this, very simply, if your brother and sister, excuse me, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Now, notice Jesus doesn't say, if your brother or sister sins, go, go and talk about it with a bunch of people. Like, we do that all the time. Like, and we do it in the Christian community. It happens, like, through prayer requests. Like, oh, man, we really need to be praying for so-and-so. Have you noticed the pride in his heart? Have you, did you see what he wore? Did you see what she wore? Like, we, we do this all the time. And what Jesus, listen, like, what did Jesus say? He's like, when somebody's in sin, don't talk about their sin with a group of friends. Go and point out their fault. Now, here's why this is so powerful. And I really want you to lean in right now. <clears throat> and I'm speaking to Christians very specifically. When you withhold the gift of honesty to your brother or sister, you rob them the opportunity to become like Jesus. I'm going to say that one more time. When you withhold the gift of honesty from a brother or sister in Christ, you rob them the opportunity to become like Jesus. And I've seen this in my own life where I've seen brokenness in another person's life. And I honestly, like I want the best for them, but I'm so concerned that they'll get mad at me and it might disrupt my, disrupt my comfort zone that I withhold my gift of honesty and then they can't become more like Jesus because I didn't reveal what they couldn't see. It is loving to be honest. Connor doesn't know I'm going to share the story. <laughs> but there was a moment probably eight months ago uh, where Connor says, hey, Corey, can you come into my office for a second? And, well, Connor and I share an office, so I was like, can you come into the office? <clears throat> and I was like, sure. So he, sit, he sits me down, and he goes, um, you guys have to understand, Connor and I are super close. So, and in this Connor way, he goes, Corey, I just need you to know I've seen pride in your life. You've been, you've been selfish. And in, the, in this, that, and this, and there could be a gazillion other ways. He's like, I've just seen, I've just seen pride. Like, you're quick to speak. And, like, I just need you to know, like, that's, like, that's ungodly. And here's the thing. Because Connor said that to me, the whole rest of the day, my heart was broken. Like, it stung really bad. Because, you, know, like, you know, like, when somebody, like, kind of confronts you, like, you just want to, like, shield it all off. And be like, no, well, you do the same thing. You know, like, you do that whole thing. <laughs> and it got it in that moment. It was just, like, close your mouth and listen to him. And I, here's the thing. I knew he was right. And guess what, guess what happened because he said that? That whole rest of the day, I was praying. Like, my prayer life, I was, like, I was just like, God, like, please forgive me. Like, he's right. Like, I know it. I see it and all this. The whole rest of the week, I, like, picked a passage in James. If you know it, it's like, be slow to speak. And I was just, like, meditating on that scripture. And I share that illustration because what Connor did in that moment for me is he gave me an opportunity because of his honesty for me to become more like Jesus. And if he never said that, who knows what would have happened after that. And since then, I've never struggled with pride since. So we're good. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but you guys get the point? Like, your gift of honesty, and I really want to say, it, it, like, it is a gift. 
the gift of honesty to a brother or sister can give them the opportunity to become more like Jesus. And here's where we're going to land the plane tonight. How is honesty connected to the gospel? How is honesty connected to the gospel? See, listen, in the message of the gospel, which for those of you who are new to Jesus, gospel is just a word that means good news. Um, In the message of the gospel, Jesus loves us enough to tell us not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Like Jesus, God, when Jesus was on the scene, he said repent, which is a biblical word, just means turn around. Jesus is saying, listen, you're going in the wrong direction. Like you're what you're pursuing, what you're trying to find satisfaction in, like everything that you're building life, your life around is wrong. And Jesus loved us enough, not just to tell us the condition we were in, but to provide a way for us to find healing. He goes, yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you've fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, you are broken, but I've provided a way for you to find healing. I've provided a way for you to find salvation and forgiveness. Like, think very personally right now. Whether you're not a Christian or you've been a Christian a long time, what if God wasn't honest with you? Like, we just talked about, like, we were spiritually blind, which means we cannot see, unable to see what's right and wrong. If God didn't interrupt your life, with the gift of honesty and say like, listen, you're walking outside of my ways. Like, do you see what that's doing to you? Like if God didn't love us enough to gift us with the gift of honesty, where would you be? Where would you be? See, here's the thing. Honesty stings and it stings because of our pride, but God intends it because on the other side of that sting is refreshment and healing in forgiveness, all because Jesus loved us. And in his death and in his resurrection, yes, we are sinners. But as Paul said in 1 Timothy, Christ came to save sinners. And isn't that good news? So let's, um, let's just spend a few moments and just pray with me. And let's just thank God for how honest he has been with us and for the love that he's shown us in Christ and that we would give that to other people. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and uh, Jesus, we love that you love us enough to reveal to us our brokenness because you want to bring healing to our lives. And Jesus, I was uh, incredibly convicted by this message and by your words. Jesus, I confess and we confess the areas in our lives that we're being prideful, that we're trying to promote ourselves, and we ask that you would teach us humility, that we would learn the pattern of Christ's life by humbling ourselves and that we would let you exalt us. Jesus, we confess our selfishness. God, we confess how we build our lives around comfortability. Uh, We confess, Lord, how we spend our time, even. We build our lives around what we think is best. But Jesus, you challenge us. You always challenge us because you want your name to be honored and you want the church to not be like the world, your people to not be like the world, so that we would go and that we would reach people at our schools, at our work, Um, at our jobs, Lord, that nobody else is going after. But Jesus, you send us to the outcasts. You send us to the crippled and the poor and the lame with the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us enough to tell us our condition apart from you. And we thank you that you loved us enough to provide a way to find fresh forgiveness and healing in your love. And we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Oh, won't you be my love?